take your hymn book. I thought we'd start this morning with Whiter Than Snow. We can appreciate that, can't we? 325, we'll stand up and sing out, Lord Jesus, I long to be perfectly whole. I want Thee forever to ransom my soul. Break down every idol, cast out every foe. Now wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Boys and girls, get your hymn books. 325, let's all stand together and sing. 325.
there was a fellow who was seen crying over a tombstone in a cemetery, and he was just wailing. Why did you have to die? Why did you have to die? Why did you have to die? There was another man there. Of course, his heart went out to him, and he came over to the man and said, Sir, I'm so sorry. Is is that your wife? The man said, No, it's my wife's first husband. Uh, (laughs) Marriage is hard work. Parenting is hard work. Family life is hard work. There are great joys and there are great struggles. And we have not masked that. We've not pretended in this series on family life. To pre- we haven't pretended that it does not exist. As we've been talking about family life all during this month of love, uh, February. And uh, we've answered two big questions so far. Where did my family come from? And how did my family get into such a mess? And today we're going to finish up this series with one more big question. And that question is this. How do we go about having a godly family? How do we go about having a godly family? I want to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Psalms today. And I want you to find Psalm 127. Psalm 127. How do we go about having a godly family? And I trust that's your desire. To have a godly family. But in all honesty, we all need to examine our motives when it comes to our families. It seems that many professing Christian parents are not really concerned with godliness at all. If they were honest about it, what they really want, if they were truly honest, they want moral kids, they want intelligent kids, they want well-behaved kids, and even kids that go to church. And kids that are maybe even in church, but not necessarily godly kids. You say, well, is there a difference? Yes. What what does it mean to be a godly person? What does godliness mean? What does it mean to have a godly family? How do we define godliness? It's one of those words that it's kind of hard to get your arms around sometime and, and really summarize. I explored that question this past week and I ran across an article That was based on one of Jerry Bridges' books, an excellent author, Jerry Bridges. And he goes through and he traces godliness in the Bible. And he has a Bible study on the theme of godliness. And I'm going to give you just a summary of what I learned from the article because it was too long to share with you. He basically summarized the Bible's teaching in saying that a person who is godly is a person who was devoted to God. He called it devotion in action. So they're devoted to God. They're focused on God. They're filled with the fear of God, love for God, and a desire for God. The person lives a God-centered life for the glory of God. We could sum it up saying it this way, I guess. Just very simply, God is their life. They live their life for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. He's their focus, He's their desire, their devotion, their love. It's all about God. And so they live a God-centered life. So God has first place in their life. God has first place in every decision that's made. Now, many parents, if they were honest, would say, well, I don't know about that. That that might be a little bit too far for for my child. Let's not get fanatical about it. Let's not go crazy about it. But in reality, that's what every Christian should be doing. Why? Because that is the Christian life. Christianity is Christ. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
And so maybe you need to look at your own heart and say, what is my life all about? Am I a godly person? Is God my focus? Is God my desire? Is God my devotion? Am I filled with the fear of God and love for God and desire for God? Am I living my entire life for His honor and glory? That's godliness. That's the Christian life. And so the question when it comes to family life is, how do I go about having a godly family? What all does that entail? How does all that work? Well, we're going to look at it here in Psalm one hundred. And 27. Now, before we jump into Psalm 127, we've got to begin by saying what? Salvation is the beginning. You can't be a godly person if you don't know God in the first place. And you can't have a godly family if your family does not know God. And each member of the family must come to know Jesus Christ themselves. The Bible says, we've said it many times in the series, haven't we? That we're all sinners. That's one of the problems. That's why our family is so messed up. And the wages of sin is death, but God has sent His Son to die for us and to shed His precious blood for us. And He rose again victorious. And because He lives, we just saying, we can live. And each person must repent of their sin, that is, turn for their sin, and place their faith totally and completely in Jesus Christ. That's the starting point. So I'd say to you today, if you've never met the Lord Jesus Christ, that's where you begin. You can't be godly if you don't know God. And so, friend, each person needs to come to Christ. I talked about the fact that we as parents are really missionaries to our kids, aren't we? We're seeking to point them to Christ, not pressure them, uh, not not, not, uh, overly move them, but we're there to pray and to guide and to model and to talk and to live it out before them that they would come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it begins with knowing Christ. Now you're in Psalm 127 by now, I'm sure. And I want to read this as we go through this today, talking about uh, having a godly family. The Bible says in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Now I want you to listen to it again. I'm going to read it to you out of the message. Listen to it. If God doesn't build the house, the builders only build shacks. If God doesn't guard the city, the the night watchman might as well nap. It's useless to rise early and to go to bed late and work your weary fingers to the bone. Don't you know he enjoys giving rest to those he loves? Don't you see that children are God's best gift? The fruit of the womb is generous legacy. Like a warrior's fistful of arrows are the children of a vigorous youth. Oh, how blessed are you parents with your quivers full of children. Your enemies don't stand a chance against you. You'll sweep them right off. Your doorstep. Now, we've read it, we've heard it. Four main truths I want to impress upon your heart today when it comes to the question how do I go about having a godly family? Number one, we need to allow the Lord to build our family. We need to allow the Lord to build our family. We see it very obvious here in chapter 127, verse 1. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, They labor in vain who build it. 
You'll notice that word vain is used several times and then several times in these opening verses. It's vain those who build it. The watchman stays awake in vain. It's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, so forth and so on. It reminds us of the book of Ecclesiastes. Vanity of vanity. All is vanity. The word means futile. The word means useless. The word means valueless or empty. It's useless for you to go about doing this unless the Lord does it. What's pictured in these first two verses is a God-less life. Not a godly life. Not a God-centered life, not a God-filled life, but a God-less life. A life that leaves God out of the picture. And it says it's vain for you to do these things because if the Lord doesn't work, it's useless. It's worthless. It's futile. And notice where it says unless the Lord builds the house. Now that word house in the original, you know, it was not given in English. Uh, we got to remember that. Here in the Hebrew, that word house can be translated, it can refer to a dwelling. It can refer to a temple. We would understand it in the sense of a church. It can refer to a dynasty. And it can refer to a family. And it says unless the Lord builds that house, whether are talking about a dwelling or a dynasty or a family or a temple or a church, unless the Lord builds it, the lesson's the same for all, isn't it? Unless the Lord builds it, we labor in vain. It's useless. It's empty. It's void. It's useless to try to build without God. So we've got to understand right off the bat, when it comes to building your family, you and I, we are not sufficient. We cannot do this on our own. That alone is a lesson we all need to understand. We need the Lord. And we need to surrender our families to the Lord and allow Him to build our homes. Allow Him to build our families. And I mean literally surrender it. You say, Lord, here we are. Here's our family. And I humbly come before you. And I acknowledge my helplessness before you. Uh, and you, use, you can even use these words. Listen, Lord, your word says unless you build this house, we labor in vain. Uh, what we're doing is useless. What we're doing is, is worthless. We need you to build our home. We need you to build our family. And beloved, the wonderful thing is this. If we will come in that fashion, He will help us. He will answer our prayer. And He will build His family, our family, according to His Word. That's why it's vital we get into the Word. And get His Word into our kids' lives. You see, this Psalm 127 is all about daily living. It's about having God in your daily life. Building a home. We're going to talk about working in a little bit and talk about all those things. It's all about God in daily life. We make it so complicated. We think, well, you know, if we're really going to do it right, we've got to go to parenting seminars. And there's nothing wrong with going to a parenting seminar that's biblically based. It's a good thing. Or I've got to go here. I've got to do this. I've got to read this book. I've got to listen to this speaker. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that's all helpful and wonderful if they're biblically based. But a lot of it, beloved, is just living the Lord out in your life. Jot down this reference. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. The Lord says in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Now listen, verse 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. So He wants you to take the Word of God and get it to your kids' hearts. How do you do that? Listen. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. Is that going on in your home? Don't answer out loud, but is that going on? Are you talking about the Lord? In your house, when you walk by the way, modern day interpretation, when you drive in the car, 
When you lie down, when they're going to bed. When you rise up, good morning. You shall bind them as a sign in your hand. They shall be as frontlets before your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your home and on your gates. Now, beloved, do you see how plain, common sense, day-to-day, nitty-gritty, living life, and just getting the Lord in there? It means taking time to talk to your kids, using the things going on in your family's life to point them to Christ. Using things to come up to, to talk about the Bible and talk about the Lord's faithfulness. To talk about how God has blessed us. To talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. Just day in and day out. Day in and day out. Just making sure the Lord is the center of your home. Allowing the Lord to build your home. Because unless the Lord builds the home, unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. So this is not just on Sunday morning. You say, well, I, I take my kids to Sunday school. Well, good. I'm glad you do. I'm glad you take them. You ought not to send them. You ought to bring them with you. You come. And I have my kids in Sunday morning worship. Praise the Lord. You ought to. You're right there with them. You ought to sit with them. You ought to show them how to use their Bible. You ought to teach them how to use a hymn book. You ought to show them how to put an offering in the offering plate. You're there to teach them to worship the Lord of glory. And that goes on. You say, well, I send my kids to church on Wednesday night. Great. You ought to bring them. And you ought to be in Wednesday night. But beloved, it's not just those times. See, we're here as a church family to help you and support you and build you up and to reinforce what ought to be going on every day in your own home. Because God holds you accountable for your kids. And so what we have here is not just on Sunday morning, but every day throughout life, as it happens, we're pointing our kids to the Lord. And we're letting the Lord be the center of our home. We're letting the Lord build our homes. So we need to allow the Lord to build... Our family. Why? Because if we don't, it's worthless. It's useless. Second thing. From the text is this. We need to allow the Lord to protect our family. We need to allow the Lord to protect our family. Look at the next part of verse 1. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. You say, what's that going to do with my family? Talking about a city here. Well, beloved, what makes up a city? People. Families. Homes. You have to have a certain amount even to be considered a city, right? And you have a watchman. Well, what, what does the watchman do? He was the fellow that sat up on the wall. And he looked out for danger. And he looked out to warn those within the city that danger was coming. And the Bible says, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. We need to allow the Lord to protect our family. Now, of course, the Lord uses us to protect our families in many ways, right? You might use a gun. You might use a baseball bat. You might use all sorts of things to protect your family. You certainly, I hope, are using discernment and boundaries and protecting them from evil influences and not letting them be exposed to certain things. But ultimately, though the Lord can use us, ultimately, who is the one that protects our family? It's the Lord. And the Bible says, unless the Lord does it, we we labor in vain. What we're doing is futile and worthless. Uh, Our efforts are worthless. We need to surrender the protection of our family to the Lord. He'll use us, yes, and we want to be instruments in His hands. But the thing about it is, ultimately, our protection is of the Lord's hand. We need to surrender that to the Lord. Perhaps if you're honest, mom or dad here, of course, you wouldn't answer out loud. You wouldn't acknowledge with a nod or anything. Maybe you're eaten up with worry when it comes to your kids. I mean, you've done everything within your power to protect them and provide for them and their safety, but you're fretful. You're fearful. 
You know you can't be with them every hour of every day. You can't protect them from the evils of this world. But listen, beloved, there is one who can. There is one who is omnipresent. He's everywhere all at the same time. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And we need to take our kids before the Lord, and we need to say, Lord, I give you my kids. You've entrusted them to me. I pray that you'll help me to protect them, do what I can. But ultimately, Lord, you're the only one that can protect them. You're the only one that can care for them. And I surrender not only them, but me as well. And I pray your protection upon our family. And I trust that you will guide and direct and you'll help. You know what? The Bible says he never slumbers nor sleeps. The watchman, he can fall asleep. You can fall asleep. You've got babies in the house, you do fall asleep. But here, this is the thing about it, he never does. We need to allow Him to protect our family, to build our family, protect our family. Are you beginning to see a pattern here? Our dependence is totally upon the Lord. Wearsby pointed out that uh, Jesus warned in John 15, 5, Without me you can do nothing. And He said that truth is illustrated in this psalm. Without me you can do nothing. We, we, we have to have Him work in our lives and our families. We cannot do it without Him. Without Him we can do nothing. Woman once said, my husband and I have had a very happy marriage. There's nothing I wouldn't do for him, and there's nothing he wouldn't do for me. So we've been going through life doing nothing for each other. Mm. Got to think about that one a little bit. Without me, you can do nothing. We need to allow the Lord to build our family, protect our family. There's a third thing. Did you notice it here? We need to allow the Lord to provide for our family. I told you this psalm's about daily life, and we see it loud and clear in verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. This is a picture of working long, hard hours to get some bread to provide for your family. Now, of course, we know that we work to provide for our families. The Bible actually says if a man will not work, neither shall he eat. And so hard work is a thing of dignity. Uh, it's a thing of honor. It's a right thing to do. I wish our nation would understand that. We should work to provide for our families. But the Lord says here it's vain to burn the candles at both ends. To get up real early. To stay up real late trying to provide for our family. Because he says in the end of verse 2, what? For so he gives his beloved sleep. We must ultimately recognize who it is that provides for our families. You say, well, I do. I get up and I go to work. And I work hard. Well, good. I'm glad you do. Let me ask you, who gave you the job? Say, well, my boss gave me the job. Well, no, wait a minute now. Ultimately, who gave you the job? Who gives you the strength to get up and go to the job? Who gives you the health to do the job? Who gives you the wisdom to know how to do the job? By, by the way, who owns the company? Who owns the ground that it sits on? Who owns everything else? There's only one who owns everything, and His name is God. And so don't get so big for your britches that you think, Oh, I, I provide. No, God provides for your family. He uses you. You're an instrument in His hands. He's blessed you. If you've got a job, praise the Lord. There's a lot of people that want a job. Sad to say a lot of people don't want a job. But listen, He's blessed you. He's given you a job. And you ought to realize and recognize, listen, God, thank you for providing for our family. God alone is the one who does that. And we see a picture of perfect trust in our provider. What's He say? He says, I give my beloved sleep. 
See, it's the picture not of someone worried to death. How am I going to provide? How am I going to do this thing? No. Lord, I trust you. We allow the Lord to provide for our families. We trust in his kindness, his provision, his strength. Uh, We serve in our vocations with gratefulness. We do the best job we can for the glory of God. And we trust in His goodness. But then we go to sleep. And we trust the Lord. Sad to say, there are many who live out the beginning of verse 2. They rise up early. They sit up late so they can eat the bread of sorrows. In other words, they waste their lives striving after stuff. After stuff. And they, and they, they burn the candles above trying to get stuff. And their focus is wrong. Their priorities are wrong. See, the Lord's the one who meets our needs. And this psalm is all about keeping God in daily life. Keeping God in our daily families' lives. This is having a godly home. A God-centered, God-focused, God-glorifying home. Now, have you noticed so far in our passage that there's no room for pride There's no room for saying, well, look at what I've done. It's always been what? We depend on You, Lord. You've got to build our home. Lord, You've got to protect our home. You've got to provide for our home. It's worthless without You. We we can't do it without You. There's no room for pride. But there's plenty of room for gratefulness. And there's plenty of room for worship. You know, one of the goals I have in my own personal life, in my family's life, and even in our church life, is that we would be known as a godly people a grateful people, and a generous people. I want to be known as a godly person who is grateful and generous. I want my family to be known as a godly family who is grateful and generous. I want our church to be known as a godly church who is grateful and generous all at the same time because it is God who provides. He builds our family. He protects our family. He provides for our family. But there's a fourth thing here, and that's this. We need to acknowledge the Lord's blessings in our family. We need to acknowledge the Lord, Lord's blessing in our family. The next part of the ver, uh, passage here, verses 3 through 5, talk about kids. Let's look at it again. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Now, may I make a suggestion to all of you and all of us who still have kids at home? Copy out verse 3, blow it up real big, and hang it prominently in your home. Let let me read it to you again. It says in verse 3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. You say, well, preacher, why would you suggest that we blow that up and hang it prominently? Because you're going to need it. A lot. (laughs) You're going to need to be reminded a lot that they are a gift from God. They are a reward from God and they are not a curse from God. (laughs) I know on some days it seems like that maybe kids are a punishment from God, don't they? And you know your parents say, well, I just can't wait till you have kids. I'll back just like you. And they do. But we need to think biblically. And the Bible says that children are a blessing. And they're a blessing in so many ways. They're like, they're compared to arrows here in the hands of a man. And as arrows, they can help provide for you. As a hunter would take his bow and arrow and go out hunting, providing. 
As an arrow is a picture of them being a warrior. They can help protect you. And of course, in this day, much of the security, not only day by day and growing up and living and, and all that goes on, but even in later life are based upon having children. Now, I'm convinced, beloved, that children are, children are one of God's special tools of sanctification. Uh, one of the things He uses to, to make us more like Jesus than anything else. John Curson, Pastor John Curson concurs. He said, years ago I thought the Lord would entrust me with kids that I might train and develop them. I have found the Lord gave me kids that they might train and develop me. Having kids obliterates selfishness. You can no longer do what you want, how you want, when you want. There's a whole world of other considerations. But you know what's wonderful, he writes, it kills you. He says, Jesus said in Matthew 10, 39, the man who lives for his own life will lose it, but the man who loses his life for my sake shall find it. He says, kids are one of the ways the Lord gives us to lose ourselves, to no longer live for our own ease, pleasures, and pursuits. They're a rich heritage because they grow us up. God uses them to teach us and train us and mold us and shape us. To to take away that selfishness from our lives. And by the way, if you're selfish, repent. You know, we have men and women in our world who think they can still live like selfish little kids themselves. When they have kids, grow up. Be a godly man, a godly woman. Be a grown man and woman and take responsibility. And bring up your children the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Because God has blessed you with kids. God has given you a rich reward, a rich heritage. You want to know how rich you are? Don't go to your checkbook. Don't go to look at your bank account ledger. Don't go count your stock certificates. Look around at your kids and realize just how rich you are. It's time we started having a godly, biblical view of things. We might be thinking, well, yeah, preacher, but kids take a lot of time. They take a lot of energy, take a lot of money. I feel like I live at the grocery store now, y'all. I do. I'm there all the time. Just more milk and more cereal and all that. They take a lot, don't they? But do you realize that they're a true treasure? Do you realize that a man can have everything that the world can offer him and yet really have nothing? And yet another man can have nothing the world offers. But if he has Jesus and he has a godly family, he has everything. He has everything. We've got to get our eyes off the world and world standards and get our eyes on Jesus and on biblical truth. It says here in verse 5, happy is the man who has this quiver full of them. We don't talk about quivers much today. You think like this, that's what we're talking about. Remember a quiver is that container you put the arrows in. It says happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. But as our Remember looking at one time, remembering reading one time that there are different size quivers, right? And there's different sizes of that. How do we go about having a godly family? Basically, beloved, we do this. We put God at the center of our family and we build our lives on Him. Or better yet, we allow Him to build our lives. We put God at the center. We allow Him to build our family. We allow Him to protect our family. 
We allow Him to provide for our family. We acknowledge His blessing on our family. And we look at our family from His perspective. And we're filled with wonder and gratefulness and worship and trust. And we come before Him and say, Lord, listen. Your word says, and I acknowledge humbly before you today. That unless you do this, I labor in vain. Unless you work, Lord, I might as well give up. Unless you're doing this in my family, Father, I can't do it. So I trust you. And I pray that you'll do it. Why? Because unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. May God build our homes for His honor and His glory. And may they be places of godliness, places of gratefulness, and places of generosity to the glory of God. Father, we acknowledge before you today that unless you build our homes and protect and provide, we labor in vain. We are a most needy people. Lord, we give our families to you. And I pray that each believer here, each mom and dad, would come before you today and surrender their home to you. And seek your help, your enablement, your provision, your protection, your building, your blessing. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us all to put you at the center of our life. And Lord, to live out godliness day in and day out. I pray today if anyone here does not know you, that in these next few moments, they'll turn from their sin and place their faith in Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name and for his sake. Amen. The invitation hymn this morning is 446. Take time to be holy. Speak off with the Lord. You're here today and you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. Just what I ask you to do. As we begin singing, step out from where you are. I'll be standing down at the front here. Come and simply say, preacher, I want to know Jesus. Here's what I'll do. I'll take you by the hand. I'll place you with someone who loves Jesus, loves you. They'll take a Bible and lead you to the cross. Perhaps today the Lord has burdened your heart about a need. Maybe concerning your family. Maybe your own personal life. Maybe you're not living a life of godliness. Maybe there's things you need to repent of. You need to deal with today. The altar is open. This is the time to do it, to step out. Maybe you need to come today and surrender your family to the Lord and say, Lord, here we are. Unless you do this, we labor in vain and give that all to him. Whatever the need upon your heart, you come as we sing 446. Let's stand and sing. Take time to be holy.